You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Katerina Gamarez is a second-degree black belt, won two silver medals at the 2018 International Wheelchair and Amputee Sports Competition in Ireland, was recently named a CP Soccer World Cup All-Star, and has held various national track and field records. And at 18 years old, she is just getting started. We chat with her just before she is set to compete at the Move United Junior Nationals presented by the Hartford in Denver, Colorado next month. So, Kat, I am so glad that uh, you are our guest today on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So, I thought we'd just start by uh, talking a little bit of how you got involved in sports. Right. So, when I got diagnosed with cerebral palsy, it was pretty apparent to my parents that I really needed to do physical activity. And I actually didn't start with track and field until much later. I actually started when I was four years old with taekwondo. Hmm. Because I couldn't dance and I couldn't do gymnastics and there weren't a lot of sports for four-year-olds in our area, but we found a Taekwondo dojo. So uh, they enrolled me when I was just four years and I'm only five one now. So when I was four, I was maybe like the size of a two-year-old, <laughs> <laughs> pretty tiny. So, um, and I did Taekwondo for 10 years. Oh. I got my black belt when I was eight years old, my secondary black belt when I was 12, uh, and I had to stop to focus on track, but I had a, it was my home away from home over there, and that was an able-bodied sport. So once I got older and started realizing that I, I liked being active and I liked doing things, my parents started me in other things. Like I did peewee soccer when I was five or six. Mm-hmm. And I did um, like middle school soccer and elementary school rec, just really low level things. But the first adaptive sport that I ever did was actually rock climbing. And it was for therapeutic purposes at first. But I, as I'm sure you might have guessed, I'm a little competitive. So, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. So I got really competitive in rock climbing and we went to nationals. <laughs> so a group. Uh, a volunteer, uh, volunteers and a couple athletes took us to nationals. The first time we went, I was eight and I got second to last. I mean, it was an experience. It was my first time flying with my mom solo, just the two of us. It was, it was nice. It was in Atlanta, Georgia. And the year after that, you know, I got competitive, <laughs> decided <laughs> that I didn't want to get second to last again. So I trained really hard and, um, I think that was the year I learned the most about my body, but I, I was very serious before that competition. I didn't have any sugar. I was nine years old and I cut off sugar for like two weeks in order to compete at this competition. I was in it to win it. Uh, and I got third, third oh. place nationally. So that was my first adaptive sport. And then unfortunately the team couldn't support itself and we fell apart. So after that, my parents were like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? Because I'm, I'm too much to just not do anything. <laughs> so they found the North Jersey Navigators when I was 12 years old, and I have been with them ever since. 
Well, and I definitely want to talk about the New Jersey Navigators and obviously uh, the sport that sport or actually sports that you're you're still doing and you're actively doing. But before we get there, uh, what was it about Taekwondo that that uh, you kept at it for ten years and and obviously reached you know as you said black belt and second degree black belt? A lot of Taekwondo was the environment. I honestly don't know if I would have been where I am today without that environment. It was just so nurturing and friendly and also a competitive, right? It kind of nurtured. So we had these principles of Dokudo that we would say before every class. I mean, not when I was four, but as I got older, mm-hmm. we started doing them. And it was all about how to act like respectful, but still be like be respectful and humble, but still be confident and still have the courage to go out into the world and be determined and have perseverance and all of these principles that when I, as I went through the ranks in my belts, I started noticing things that I was doing that other kids weren't and how much I just loved that, that energy that they had at the dojo. So once once I kind of fell in love with it, not only was it a means to kind of express myself through physical exercise, but it was a means to defend myself because again, I was small mm-hmm. and unstable <laughs> in more ways than one. So I I would fall over a lot as a kid and Taekwondo helped me not only physically like understand my balance and coordination better and how to stretch and how to do all these things, all these things, but it also helped me mentally learn how to compartmentalize and how to go through a competition and how to determine how to be determined and how to persevere through challenges that I didn't know I was going to face until later on. But even now, I still think back to things that happened while I was in Taekwondo that helped me even now as I go through a higher level of competition. I think that was it for me, yeah. Yeah, and 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 so with the uh, with the tr- progression and transition uh, from you know that sport particularly and and uh, and the track and field, how did you determine the track and field was that sport that you wanted to uh, you know move to and move in the direction of? I will say, it wasn't immediate. Like I love doing sport. I love doing anything. But when I was in the fifth grade. In our county, we have this um, this competition between the different schools, and I wanted to do the shuttle run. I was really determined to be a runner from a young age. I don't know what it was about it, because sometimes I don't I don't like to run. Um, it's not always the funnest thing, but I was determined to do the forty yard dash, and I trained for this thing in the fifth grade for two weeks, um, and I got dead last. So. It wasn't immediate, but once we joined the North Jersey Navigators and I started training with uh, ad- other adaptive athletes and I wasn't trying to compete with the able-bodied athletes in my grade, uh, I kind of got a sense of familiarity with everybody. And I remember my first competition was locally with, it was the Children's Specialized Hospital Competition, I believe. And I just remember getting on the starting line, being so nervous and then beating all the boys. <laughs> and I don't, I think it was something about that moment when I crossed the line and smiled at the camera. I was like, I could be here for a while. Let's see where this takes us. So 
again, competitive. I put, I would put a little more emphasis on my training as the years went on, a little more emphasis on my diet as the years went on. And then uh, I think two years, two years after I joined the nursing, sorry, <laughs> North Jersey Navigators, I uh, was invited to go to the International Wheelchair and Ambulatory Sports Competition, Junior Iowa's. Mm-hmm. And that was in Ireland. So it was my first international competition. And that was the first time I trained through the whole summer. Usually because I'd been only training once a week and I had been PRing and I had been doing better. But it was my first time having mm. to train for six days a week, <laughs> five to six. I mean, I was only 14. So five to six days a week, depending on how I was feeling. And going to Iowa's and actually seeing all the progress that I had made up until that point. And I remember during that competition, I had specific goals for myself that I wanted to hit and seeing those goals coming to fruition. I was like, this is, this is it. This is, this is what I want to be doing. I loved the feeling of flying and competing and being on my own, but still surrounded by a team and just putting myself out there and seeing all the hard work I had put into it kind of, showing itself. And how'd you do? I did well. I won two silver medals and I PR'd in everything. So that nice. was nice. Okay. So yeah. And and in terms of like track and field events, what events do you like to do? I mean, you already kind of said and, and gave me the heads up that running is not always fun. fun. So uh, which ones are, are more fun or which ones are you better at? I am going to say it really depends on the year Hmm. because with the way the track and field system works, you have the A standard and B standard, right? So it's the third fastest time from that year and the fifth fastest time from that year on the international level. So depending on what everyone else is running, some years my 400 is my best event and some years it is my worst event. Hmm. Some years it's my long... I say some years. I've only been doing this for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. In 2019, it was my 400. And now it's my long jump. So it really just depends on the year. But I would say that I like, I should probably answer what events I do, actually. That might be the better. I do the 100, the 400, and the long jump. Okay. Yeah, that helps, that helps narrowing it down a little bit. Yes. I apologize <laughs> for my scatterbrained tendencies. <laughs> well, no, that was kind of really the the... The point behind the question, because I know obviously there are folks that specialize in short distance, folks that specialize in long distance, and then there are the folks that also do the middle, middle, the 400 and the 800 range area too. So, (laughs) so unfortunately for my classification, they don't have the 200 at the world para level. So yeah, the one, the four, and the long jump. I think I would cry if I had to compete in a long distance event. (laughs) Well, now we know. And and so what are you doing now in terms of training? What are the things that you are focusing on? So a lot of the things that we're focusing on now is speed endurance and kind of just feeling fast because so adult nationals is actually next week. So mm-hmm. me and my coach are just trying to kind of get in as much work as possible before that like in terms of technique and just explosiveness especially out of the blocks but also um making sure that I can hang on to speeds carrying through the 400 
all the way through, right? Yes. <laughs> to the to the end. I tend to die out on the curve a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and and how are you with the blocks? Are you, is it is it something that you're you need to continue to work on, or or is that one of your strengths? Um, I will definitely say my blocks have come a long way, but it is still something I I foresee always having to work on. There are things that I do well out of the blocks now but also so many things that I can still work on. Like, um, for example, I have a tendency to uh, like hunch a lot and then also kind of pick up my foot a lot more than I'm supposed to because ideally you kind of want to drag it around along the ground a little bit. So there's just like a lot of technical parts of the blocks that I struggle with. But in terms of my explosiveness out of explosiveness out of the blocks, I feel like it's come such a long way. And that's definitely something that I see working to my advantage as I get stronger and develop in track. And you mentioned Kat that, you know, as early as 14, you were, you know, obviously uh, uh, training five to six days a week. Most folks may not really, you know, obviously when you reach the elite, elite athlete level um you know that that's what it takes you know training five six you know days a week one day rest um at least uh how do you break that five or six days up what are the different ways that you're training and obviously with three events that you've got three different events that you're focused on how do you break that up over the five or six days so it's actually been different uh every year one uh i worked with a different coach when i was 14 i'm working with a different coach now so the way they structured things was uh different and it also kind of depends on where in the season we are. So, but mostly every every week now, I'll have at least two really tough days, most likely on a Tuesday, Thursday, or Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes those all three of those days will be hard. And then Mondays and Fridays will be more um, sprint-specific work. And things like blocks and shorter sprints really focused on the fast twitch muscles. And Wednesdays are kind of my recovery day where I'm not doing hard workouts, but I'm still kind of flushing my legs out and still doing things to um, kind of prepare my body for the rest of the week. Okay. And and what are, you said you've got adult nationals. What are some other events that you either have done that you like to do or what are some events that are coming up uh, that are still down the road that you are looking forward to doing? Um, Like in terms of competitions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm, it's kind of bittersweet. I'm really looking forward to junior nationals this year more. So just because it's, it's kind of my last, it's not kind of, it is my last one before I go to college. So I'm really looking forward to going and just seeing the youngins because it's 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 so weird for me because my first junior nationals I was 12 I was tiny and I mean I I'm sure you know they have the special 100 at junior nationals Mm -hmm. and I remember being so excited to be in that race and getting absolutely smoked (laughs) so it's just so nice to see like the next generation of of kids in in these events and and showing up and seeing what they can do and how much better they've gotten and just talking to people. I like, I love talking to parents and officials and, and everyone. I sure you've noticed I like to talk. So (laughs) I just, I'm definitely looking forward to junior nationals and other than nationals, that's also, that's my last competition for the season. Oh, wow. Okay. 
And and you mentioned college. So what's what's the college plan? It's actually really exciting. So I'm going to High Point University in North Carolina for college. And I was actually accepted as a walk-on onto their track team. Awesome. Congrats. They're, they're a division one program uh, in, in the Big South Conference. So I am very excited to get to work with them. I'm already in contact with the coach and um, I'm just excited to kind of train at a D1 level because it's it's very different. Like even the training that I'm doing now, I'm noticing like gaps and things that just with a high school schedule are kind of just unattainable in, in a realistic standpoint because I do care about my grades and all that. So I have I am tough on myself in terms of my GPA. So balancing that with the track is difficult. And I'm just excited to have the flexibility, I guess, that comes with college. Not that it's going to be easy. It's not, but I'm excited to have like the hours to actually spend in the recovery room and spend in the weight room and spend on the track, working on things that I can't work on necessarily here. Yeah. And we've not talked about soccer at all, obviously. I mean, you just got back from the World Cup and was named, you know, MVP. And so talk about uh, your soccer uh, playing uh, time for time as well. Right. So soccer's kind of always been just a constant in my life. I started young, uh, I'd say four or five, just, I mean, we call it peewee soccer, just touching a ball into puggles not really anything to it and then because because my dad's really big into soccer so and then we got into rec soccer and he was my coach which was awesome for me I, I I genuinely love having my dad as my coach he's my track coach now he comes with me to competitions and he was my soccer coach up and up until I got onto the U.S. national team so I just he's always known that I can kind of take a lot of pushing when it comes to that. So he'll kind of push me and not let me slack off. Not that I tend to slack off, but on the rare occasion, <laughs> he will make we sure. We all have our days. You know, I mean, it's life. So he was my coach. And I think in the fourth grade, I scored my first goal. And I'm never going to forget this moment because after a certain point in rec soccer, you're supposed to stop scoring because it becomes unfair to the other team, right? So that's when you start to play like things like keep away or just possession, things like that. So I, I didn't get the memo. I was going <laughs> to say, that probably doesn't sit well for your competitive nature, right? No, yeah. I was like, I didn't realize that we were doing a thing. So me, tiny little me, decided that I was going to dribble the ball all the way up the field because my teammates were all like, Kat, what are you doing? We're just supposed to be passing. But I got the ball, so I was going to run with it. (laughs) So I took it, and I shot on goal, and I scored. And that was my first goal ever. And I started immediately crying because I thought that I didn't realize we weren't supposed to score. So I felt bad. I was like, oh, no. So I'm never going to forget that. But then uh, in the sixth grade, I actually had to stop soccer because I had to get casting done. So that kind of put a damper on things. So I didn't really play much of middle school, uh, but I did join my high school team as a freshman. And that was interesting because I was playing with like full able-bodied females who were um, 
much who had been playing soccer together because I was in a new town and I didn't know a lot of them. So it was interesting on that level. And also I started the season as a bench warmer. And by the end of the season, I was actually a starter mm. for the team, which for me was a big deal. It's kind of funny because my dad puts it into perspective. He's like, Kat, you you've competed at an international level and you're upset that you might not make varsity. <laughs> I, was like, I know, but the jackets. Uh, so, <laughs> so I kind of, um, those are important at the high school level, right? I, I kind of have mine on the back of my chair. Anyway, <laughs> I, um, so that was a really good moment for me. And then I didn't do it sophomore year because of the Pan American games. And I was training for what I hoped would have been like me going to, uh, the world championships, but I didn't make the team. So I didn't do it sophomore year. And then junior year, I also joined. Um, I didn't have quite the comeback that I did as a freshman. I spent most of the time on the bench, but it's okay. <laughs> I was uh, So, and then when they gave us the call that they were holding a camp, I got pretty excited because I had joined CP Soccer, which is the home organization here in Jersey, when I was about right before I tried out as a freshman, actually. So I joined maybe a year before that. And they had always the coach. So coach Ashley Hammond and his son, Shay, who's on the men's national team, or was like, Hey, who's going to be like the first on the first ever women's team. And I was like, it doesn't exist yet. So I don't know. I was always kind of skeptical. Like I love soccer, so I'm going to keep doing it, but I'm not getting my hopes up kind of thing. And they're always like, yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. I was like, I don't know about that, guys. <laughs> and then I got the email. It was like, we're holding the first ever. I was like, huh? It happened? <laughs> what? When? How? And you, you might not believe this. I actually originally said no. What? I know. It's so funny when I, when I, talk about it now I feel like I was, I was kind of dumb but I said no because I thought it was going to interfere a lot with track mm. and I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to balance it also I guess um comments got in I got in my head a little bit like I don't know if I'm going to be able to balance the two like I love both sports equally I don't know if I can do this and I did start to doubt my ability to balance the two of them but my coach was like, Kat, it's an off year. Just do it. Like, th there's no harm. There's nothing insane happening this year. So it's only a couple days. Just go. So I was like, okay, I'll go. I mean, it wasn't really a hardship for me. I, I had, I kind of, at that point I was like, I have the green light. I can go do this thing now. So I went to the first camp and it, I honestly met the most incredible ladies there seriously the most amazing group of women they're so supportive of each other so nice and have been through so much like just as a group it's it's crazy and I'm just to be able to share that international stage with them was just a blessing so but after that camp we still don't know if we made the team right because U.S. soccer likes to play mind games <laughs> they like to be like how do you think you did? Not how what do we think you did. How do you think you did? <laughs> it's kind of how it is. So when they asked me to go to the April camp, I also said no, but not because of track this time. 
but because I was trying to get my driver's license. <laughs> I still don't have, by the way. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I was like, that is a whole nother story, but <laughs> I couldn't go to this one. So then uh, the, our manager, Riley Hurst asked, are you going to be available for the world cup? It was like the world cup. So when, when is this world cup? Like, when is this happening? And she, and she gave me the dates and I looked at them and I realized that they ran pretty much like into desert challenge. Mm-hmm. And I was not sure what to do about that one. I was like, Oh my gosh. So I kind of said no again. <laughs> and now, then, at this point, are you toying with them or are you toying with yourself? I don't know. Right. And then U S soccer called my dad on me. I felt like I was getting called into the principal's office a little mm-hmm. bit. Like, I'm sorry. So he told me that they had called him and I didn't realize the level of the, just the level that it was going to be. They're like, this is the first ever world cup. Are you really going to miss out on that chance? And I kind of thought to myself like, no, I don't want to miss out on that chance to just go to the first ever because yeah. no one people can say they have gone, but no one can say they were the first, except for the people who were the first. Yeah. So I after talking with my school, because is a lot of days absent, mm-hmm. my school and my track coach and my parents, we decided that I was going to go to the World Cup. And that's, that's how I got here. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. There's always that first, right? And there's always that groundbreaking kind of moment and opportunity and not very many people get to get to be at that, at that level and at that point. So that's, yeah, you had, you had to take advantage of that. Yeah, definitely. It was a roller coaster of emotions though. Definitely. My mom well, says I'm too indecisive for my own good. <laughs> well, and I, and I was going to ask that question in terms of how do you balance uh, you know, essentially per- performing at both in both sports at a at a pretty high level. How do you balance that? I one, I really have to be in tune with my own body a lot. I unfortunately, I am still learning, so I didn't do a very good job coming back from Spain, and I had some difficulties just keeping up with my hydration and my nutrition while I was over there. So when I came back, I did uh, find myself in a bit of a tiffy and a bit of a pickle. I Mm -hmm. was not in the good shape to say, to just be general. So I had to scratch Desert Challenge in order to save myself for the Kyre competition, which was nationals. So So that comes into just knowing that no, I could push myself and I could try to do this thing, even though I'm not at hundred percent and do decent, but is it the time to push my body or is it the time to listen and say, Hey, we just need to take a step back for a little bit. We'll heal. We'll recover. We'll be back in no time. Just give us a break, you know? So I listened to what my body was saying and decided not to compete. And literally a week later, like I was fine. It was just it was just, I just needed the week to kind of recover yeah. from what was a emotional 12 days, stressful 12 days, a physically taxing 12 days. It is just all over the place. So that just comes into knowing 
my limits, which I'm still learning. So, well, and there are athletes that don't know that and and don't want to learn that even so the fact that you and and there can be repercussions right if i mean there's uh, injury and the other thing other you know further setbacks so at least knowing that and being in tune with the fact that that you do need to listen to what you know your body's saying and what your you know mind i mean it's all about you know mental and physical and and emotional well-being so <laughs> yeah and and last question i have for you Kat, you know there are a lot of folks that are out there in the world that that you know don't know about disability and and think that you know like every, that one disability that there's the symptoms or the, the the components are all the same right so how does CP particularly impact you what are what are some of the the things that you deal with uh, with having CP all right so I'm gonna get a little uh maybe a little I don't know if this would be TMI but I actually I consider myself like almost like a jack of all trades in terms of CP. It's, it's kind of like I have a little bit of everything. So um, I have spastic uh, limbs. I'm actually affected in my left arm and then both of my legs. So my left leg is my most impaired limb. So I have spasticity in all of them, which is just uh, the muscles kind of tighten up and they don't, I don't exactly know how to explain spasticity, but I know how they test for it. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's basically how your, um, like muscles respond to motion. Mm -hmm. I have tightness in my limbs. I have a loss of like motor, not loss, like, um, decreased motor control in the three limbs. Uh, my balance is affected my coordination, uh, my depth perception, something that I recently learned about. Uh, I have, I believe it's called incontinence. It's, I have troubles with my bowel and my bladder, which is something that isn't super as common. I do notice sometimes since I like to sing, I have a little bit of difficulty with my vocal cords and I have, oh, I spaz, which is, um, I don't know. It's the shakes. Like a spasm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Muscle, muscle spasm. Yes, there we go. Sometimes I just, I throw like words out and just hope that they mean something. <laughs> <laughs> like I know what I'm saying, but I don't know if everyone else knows what I'm saying. I, uh, I can't control my own body temperature. So if I get too hot or too cold, my body doesn't regulate itself. Um, I really, I'm really like just throwing out the list. Well, and, and that's important, obviously, from an athletic perspective, right? So, you know, yeah, have, yeah. being, a, being aware that, that you may not know if you're overheating or particularly if you're out in a July summer yeah. day competing on a track <laughs> with the sun beating down. Definitely. It gets, I typically don't know that I'm overheating until I start shivering and it's 90 degrees out. And I'm like, something's not right here. <laughs> like, I, I really should cool off. <laughs> like I'm cold, but I, I need to cool down because I shouldn't be cold in 90 degree weather while I'm in the middle of a workout. Luckily in Spain, they had water breaks. Mm. So I've, there's like pictures of the med staff just throwing towels on me while while we're we're raking. I have like one around my neck, one on my elbows, one on my head, just to cool me off so I could go back in and play. Uh, let's see. I also I said tightness. I mean that's pretty much it. I I kind of learn a little bit all the especially going to these um going to the soccer camps and the World Cup. I got to learn a lot of 
things that I did not realize weren't, I guess I'm going to say normal just to be efficient, but uh, because a lot of these women had strokes later on in life. So they got to feel what it was like to be normal. And there's a double-edged sword with both of them. Either you don't know what it's like, so you never get the chance or you get it taken from you, right? But with them knowing what it was like, they were actually able to teach me things about myself that I didn't even realize I had. Like, I didn't realize I had poor depth perception until my roommate, Joey Martin, was like, yeah, I run into things. I was like, that's new for you? She's like, yeah, it only happened recently. And I was like, oh my God, I've been doing that my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't realize. So I, it's just things like that, that I really, I, it's part of the reason why I love just going to them because I learned so much. So I would say I, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so what, what are some of your, uh, obviously you're, you're actively competing. You talked about what you want to do at the collegiate level, but what are your, what are some of your goals at this point in terms of either short-term or long-term goals? Well, I don't know. I don't know if you guessed this one yet, but I really want to go to the Paralympics. Hmm, I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if it was obvious or not, but um, I want to make the Paralympics. I want to win a medal at the Paralympics and I'm, I I mean, I want to win gold and I want to, I have very high ambitions for myself. Although I don't believe it's all going to happen in the next two. I have a wall here. I don't believe it's going to happen in the next two years, but I think definitely by the time maybe 2028 comes around or wherever 2032 is going to be, I want to be top five, like breaking some records, getting some, getting some good hardware. Uh, And it's great to have those goals, right? And be optimistic about them. So (laughs) at the same time, I am really excited to see where the women's soccer field develops. I think we're so new, but it's going to be so exciting to see now that now that we have almost like a a bargaining chip on our shoulders and kind of like, um, and we have some amazing spokespeople. I know like Kat, Catherine uh, Rennick, uh, Librant wants like, to help us so much because she's the one that actually um six years ago was like this needs to be a thing Mm. and Mm. i honestly she kind of made it happen she was our captain so i i just can't wait to see where like this amazing group of ladies how we're going to advocate for our sport and how we're going to take it to the next level because i think there's so much potential for it to go to the next level there's so much there's so much work to still do like we made it to the world cup but there's so many things that can still happen so i'm excited to see where that goes as for college i really want to graduate (laughs) that is my goal um with as minimal amount of debt as possible (laughs) and i so i want to get my bachelor's degree i'm going for exercise science and i want to also try to minor in neuroscience Hmm. Uh, because I just find the brain fascinating, especially because mine doesn't work the way it's supposed to. It's so, Brains are fascinating. Yes. <laughs> I love the brain. So I also, uh, what I love about High Point is they're really into uh, premier skills and the soft skills that you develop uh, throughout life. So they actually offer um, a, like a one-year master's in communications once you graduate with your bachelor's. And so I want to do that also because I I want to be someone who kids can look up to and someone who goes to TED Talks or 
things like that and speaks about disability. And hopefully through my degree, I can do research and develop just a better, I feel like there's not a lot of understanding into what exactly separates cerebral palsy and stroke and traumatic brain injury from the normal person. Like, because a lot of the time, at least ambulatory, like you can't tell. So you don't know what's going on inside this physical person. You have Mm -hmm. no idea that their, their chances of fatigue are actually like three for like five to 10 times higher than you are. You like doing five reps of something for you might be easy, but for me might be like insanely difficult because just my fatigue is going to hit me on the second rep and I don't I don't know if I can handle it right so just things like that that I I just really want to be a spokesperson for that and educate people and motivate people um and that that would say my goal is I'm still kind of figuring out my path a little bit in terms of that so I wouldn't say I have it all figured out but I'm trying (laughs) that's part of the journey though right yeah, definitely. I'm excited for the journey. It's going to be it's going to be tough, but it's going to be exciting. And lastly, I know that uh, you're active on some social media platforms. So kind of share those in terms of if people just want to kind of follow your journey and follow the progress. What social media platforms would you like would you like to share? Right. So I am the most active, I would say, on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is cat, C-A-T-G-U-I-M-T-38. Because I'm a T38 in track. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's my Instagram. And I would say I'm the most active on that one. Like I have a Facebook account and I have a Twitter account, but Instagram is really where I make my posts and where I um, like share my stories and just not just like stories, Instagram, but also share like stories about my competitions and stories about just living with CP and uh, living as an athlete. And I'm really excited to show, give people insight into living as a collegiate athlete because that's going to be exciting. Mm -hmm. So I'm most active there. Awesome. I look forward to seeing you at junior nationals. Yes. I look forward to seeing you too. Thank you so much for having me. Mm -hmm.